Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We're going to close down our series today on Beatitudes. And last week we talked about blessed are the persecuted. Well, if you read Matthew chapter 5, and for those that don't know, Matthew chapter 5 is really 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew is really one full sermon that Jesus preaches. And Matthew chapter 5 is really where Jesus starts the sermon, and it starts with these what we call Beatitudes. And he goes through eight different things, and he talks that the last one is blessed are the persecuted. And then really after he says blessed are the persecuted for their righteousness, for the, the kingdom of God is there, then he actually goes a step further, and then he goes on about the persecuted in verse, uh, in verse 11 here, if you want to show it to him on the screen. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the, na- in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and speak or falsely all kinds of evil about you. Okay, so he talks about blessed of the persecuted for your righteousness. And then he goes into another blessed of the persecuted. So really we're going to make a part two to blessed of the persecuted. You're like, oh my gosh, I got to listen about being persecuted again. Yes, you do. Come on, somebody. And this is what Jesus says. He talks about being blessed. And again, we've talked about it all series long. When we say blessed, we don't mean blessed like we think in our culture today where we think rich. He's talking about this joy, this internal happiness, not a circumstantial happiness, but this internal joy that comes from, from doing these eight things. And so this is what we see for blessed are those. Eternal joy comes to those who, who when, when people insult you. Uh, Jesus, pause, help me out. I don't know about you, but last time I was insulted, it didn't make me happy. Last time someone persecuted me or spoke falsely about me saying all kinds of evil, I wasn't like, man, this is awesome. But Jesus says there's internal joy. Why? Because he says because we understand and we rejoice because great is the reward in heaven that we will one day receive from these insults, from this persecution, from these different things that we face, evil that is spoken about us. In Luke chapter 17, excuse me, in verse 1, it says, then he said to the disciples, this is Jesus speaking. He says, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Jesus is speaking. He says, blessed are those who, 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 who uh, rejoice when they speak uh, insults about you, when they mistreat you, when they persecute you. Then he says, in Luke chapter 17, he says, listen, I want you to know that it's impossible to live your life without being offended, that no offenses would come. There's going to be moments and times where someone is going to offend you. I don't know about you, online, in this room, there's been multiple times in my life where someone has offended me. Now, here's the thing. Okay, if we know that we're, we're going to be offended, how do we respond correctly to that? In Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 19, it says, An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. Why is it that God doesn't want us to live offended? Because he says, an offended brother, an offended sister, an offended person is more unyielding. Their walls are up. 
They're, they're guarded. They're not able to receive love or give love. You ever been in a relationship with someone, whether a friendship or, or, or romantically, and they've been offended by something in the past or you've been offended by something in the past, and it's hard to connect because of things that have happened through your offenses or hurts or wounds in the past? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Why? Because an offended brother or offended sister or offended human, our walls are up like an unyielding, fortified city. And so if we know this, how do we walk this out? And Jesus says, if you want to go back to me in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 5, he says, rejoice and be glad. He says, rejoice and be glad. Right here in the, in the scripture, it says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward. So when someone insults me, don't be down, don't be upset, don't be frustrated. Be happy, rejoice, be excited, celebrate, be glad. I'm not going to lie to you, that's not normally me. Normally somebody assaults me, my head goes straight down. You know what I'm saying? I'm the dog with the tail between his legs, and I'm like, oh, me, oh, my. I'm Eeyore, if you will, and Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have a one-year-old. We watch a lot of Winnie the Pooh right now, praise God. But here's what Jesus says. He says, I know it's going to come. I know it's going to happen. And so instead of being so offended and so upset and so worked up when someone insults you or mistreats you or persecutes you, I want you to rejoice and be glad. Why? Because your reward will be in heaven. And so here's what, here's what we need to do as Christians. This is what I want to talk to you. Last week we talked about how we got to stand up and we got to make sure that we deepen our convictions and deepen our relationship where persecutions come. Well, this week I want to talk to you about how do we really respond to ill treatment? How do we respond to accusations? How do we respond to, to insults? How does God really want us to do this? If we know it's going to happen, then God wants us to respond in a way that will allow us to continue to show him through us. I want to continue on in Matthew chapter 5, after verse 12, he gives us the, the eight Beatitudes, and then check out the very next scriptures. Check this out in verse 13, if you want to go to verse 13 for me. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltness, how can it make, be made salt again, salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under feet. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Next slide for me, buddy. There you go. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus gives us these eight beatitudes. And he says at the end of it, he says, I want you to know, I want you to rejoice and be glad. Why? Because then he goes into 13, 14, 15, and 16 in verses. And he says, I want you to know you're the salt of the earth. He says, I want you to know you're the light of the earth. He says, I want you to go and I want your good deeds to shine and glorify the Father in heaven so everyone will see your good deeds. Well, how do we do that? We do that through walking out these eight beatitudes. We allow ourselves, see, oftentimes we think, oh, if, we, if we're kind to people, if we tip well, if we smile at the grocery store, if we say, how are you, then people are gonna see Jesus in you. Yes, that's true. Jesus will, Jesus will shine through us in those ways. But he also says, I want you to know that as you walk out these eight beatitudes, you are becoming the salt and the light of the world. And I want you by living these out for people to see your good deeds so that they'll turn and glorify God in, in heaven. So it's not just about us. These eight beatitudes are not just about us growing in our faith. They are about growing in our faith, 100%. But it's also so others will see Christ in us. And so how do we respond to insults? Because oftentimes when we're insulted, we don't shine for Christ. Christ. 
Often when we're persecuted or we're mistreated, we don't shine the love of Jesus. We don't speak life about people. We start to get negative and speak dark, darkness over people. And so how do we do that? How do we, how do we really respond? I'm glad you asked because we're going to talk about it today. I want to give you four quick things on how I believe God wants us to respond to insults and accusations. And I will say this. Human nature, the flesh, the flesh, our, our human nature. None of, they don't want to do, it doesn't want to do these four things. These four things are very countercultural. I'll say it this way. They're very countercultural and they're very against the human nature and how we want to respond in ourselves. And so this is something that's going to stretch us. But I know if we're going to really be a light and a salt, we need to be stretched. And so I want to, I want to show you. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 16, it says, A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Oh, Jesus, help me. A wise person stays, stays calm when insulted. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 14, it says, Love overlooks the wrongs that others do. Love overlooks, oh, Jesus, help me, somebody. Love overlooks the wrongs. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 11, it says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook offense. Oh, my goodness gracious. Let's talk about this for a second. We see in Proverbs says that it's wise to be calm. It says it's wise. It says it, it's, it's a man's wisdom. It gives him to his glory that he overlooks offenses. How do we really respond to accusations and, and insults and negativity that may come against us? First, you have to have tough skin and a soft heart. Tough skin and a soft heart. It says it's wise for a man. If you go back to that scripture, it's wise for a man. To, to, be, to, to be patient. Why? Because it's for its own, his own glory that he overlooks offenses. Isn't it interesting? It doesn't say it's for the glory of the other person that offends us. It says for our glory, for our help, for our well-being, it is wise to overlook insults. It's wise to have tough skin and let things bounce off of us every once in a while. For those that were a little, a little bit older, there was an old song, and it was about brush, brush it off your shoulders. Come on, somebody. Just me? Okay. I can sing it, but I'm not going. I could dance it too, but praise God, I'm not going to. It's a, a moment, and it was in a time period where it was like, just okay, your insults or your hate's not going not gonna to frustrate me, so I'm just going to brush it off. But what would it look like if we really lived this out where we brushed off the insults of the world? Why? Because if we don't have tough skin, here's what's going to happen. We're going to have a, a, a hard heart. So, soft heart, not a hard heart. I'm not talking about a hard heart and, a, and tough skin. See, tough skin, this is oftentimes how we do it. We have tough skin and then we have a hard heart. So we have tough skin and our hard heart means then we, we have all this offense or we have all these insults and hurts. And so nobody's going to hurt me anymore and nobody's going to offend me. I'm going to wall this stuff off and I'm not going to be in close relationships with people and I'm not going to be vulnerable. Why? Because I've been offended. I've been hurt so much. So I just don't trust anybody. So I'm just going to look after me and take care of me and no one's going to hurt me. No. That's tough skin and a hard heart. And the thing is about a hard heart, here's what I believe. It is very hard to love like Jesus with a hard heart. I'll go a step further. I think it's impossible to love Jesus like with a hard heart. Because Jesus didn't have a hard heart. Tough skin, 
soft heart. But a tough skin is where, okay, you may insult me or you may something, say something against me. You may post something that isn't true or maybe it is true and it's an insult. And, and here's what it is. I'm going to let it, I'm going to brush it off. I'm not going to allow it to get into my heart. Why? Because my skin is tough. And so I'm not going to let everything that comes to me offend me. Do you know the largest, the, the thickest skin on the planet, I looked it up, it's on the internet, you gotta trust it, you know what I'm saying? The thickest skin on the planet is the, is the whale shark. The skin on a whale shark is four inches thick. Four inches. The reason why the, 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 the whale shark skin is so thick, the main reason is to protect it from predators. So when it's pierced, it doesn't pierce it past the skin. The skin protects it. It's the same thing with you and I. When we, I'm not saying people are predators. Come on, somebody. Let's not go that far. Pastor said they're predators. Praise God. I'm a really, uh, no, it's not what I'm saying. But here's what I am saying. When insults come, and the real enemy is not people. The real enemy, the Bible says, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he tries to steal our joy. And he tries to, it's the enemy of our soul. He tries to, to kill our joy and kill our peace. And, and so when the enemy comes and you may use something or someone to try to pierce us in our hearts to offend us. No, we have tough skin. Why? Because we know we're not going to let that opinion or that thought process pierce us to get into our heart to where it's, it makes our heart harden. We continue to have soft, compassionate heart for people. See, God wants us to have a heart, hear me. God wants us to have a heart that overlooks. What would it look like if someone said something negative towards you and you overlooked it immediately? Instead, we ponder about it. We go home and process it. And we, sometimes it can even start to change us and shift the way that we think or live. And it's because we allow people's opinions or insults or, or things to try to shift us when God is saying, no, that's not it. The, the main opinion, only opinion that matters is his and he loves us and he cares for us. And the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. See, Jesus, I love, he's a perfect picture of a tough skin and soft heart. Jesus was on the cross. He was dying for everyone on the world, the Bible says. And these men are mocking him. Isn't it interesting that as Jesus is being mocked, he doesn't yell back. He doesn't mock back. He doesn't go online and start posting negative things about other people. You're like, oh, well, there wasn't online back there. Yeah, I know, okay? It's an illustration. But isn't it interesting that he doesn't get offended and get all hurt? In fact, he says the most crazy phrase that probably has ever been said on the entire planet. He's on a cross dying. He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He doesn't say, God, smite them. In fact, the Bible says that he could have sent down legions of angels. And let me tell you something. If angels would have showed up, y'all know people would have been getting all kind of smited. You know what I'm saying? But here's what's interesting. He doesn't do all that. Here's what he does. Here's what he does. He, he actually prays, God, forgive them. Father, forgive them for they don't know. He had, he had a tough skin. I'm not going to let their, 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 what they're doing to me, insulting me, ill-treating me, harming me, abusing me. I'm not going to let it get to my heart that's soft. I'm going to continue to have compassion for people around me. And see, this is what the enemy does. The enemy tries to use a fence to remove the compassion in our lives. And this is why we stop shining. This is why we stop being the salt of the earth because we become so offended by something or someone that it causes us to live in a way where we're walking out or living from the hurt in the wound. 
And the Bible says that we are to be ones that overlook it. What would it look like in your life if you decided to overlook offenses, tough skin, and a soft heart? The goal is to have tough skin and continue to remain. And, and, and not, let me say it this way, tough skin and with a, with a saying, you know what, I'm not going to let it bounce off of me. But then too, I'm not going to be one that has a sensitive heart. A compassionate heart and a sensitive heart is two things. See, sensitive heart, here's what happens. We can start to get offended by everything. People we don't even know, we can start to get offended by. Something someone says about someone else and we can be offended for them. And we can be offended by everything. And I know the term right now is everybody gets offended by everything. Okay, well, here's the thing. In order for it to change, the world to change, it starts in the church. And so let us be a people that don't get so sensitive when someone mocks Christianity. It is what it is. They're mocking Christianity. In the end, I'm going to have tough skin and trust God that he's going to continue to work on people's hearts. God, I don't want my view of them to change because my heart's been offended. I want to see them like you do with compassion. Tough skin, soft heart. Luke chapter 11 and verse 4. It says, forgive us our sins. This is Jesus speaking. Forgive us our sins. He's talking and teaching them about the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. How do we really walk out and respond to insults and accusations? We have to have tough skin and a soft heart, but also we have to be people that are forgiving, not just forgiven. Forgiving, not just Forgiven in Luke chapter 11. I want to show it to you again. It says, forgive us our sins as we forgive. While we're in the process of forgiving, you forgive me. It's not God, you forgive me. And so after you forgive me, God, I'm going to work on this forgiveness thing. No, it's God, you're forgiving me as I forgive others around me. We should be a people that are quick to forgive, okay? Let me show it to you in Colossians chapter three and verse 13. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so we must forgive others. It's not this, okay, if I feel like it, and oftentimes forgiveness is this thought process of, okay, when I feel like forgiving them, I'll forgive them. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a choice. It's a choice that says, I'm choosing to let this thing go. I'm choosing to let this person go. Well, then we're like, oh, well, they're just getting a free pass on what they said or what they did or what they, well, how they treated me. No, they're not getting a free pass. See, forgiveness has nothing to do with that person. The forgiveness has to do with me. See, when I forgive someone, it favors me. It doesn't favor them. See, the thought process can be, oh, it favors them and it's making them. No, forgiveness blesses and helps me become free. It's a choice. And it's interesting that Jesus says that we must forgive in order to be forgiven and that we should pray this concept of this thought process, God, forgive us as we are forgiven others. And John Maxwell has a quote that I heard the other day, and he was talking about it with finances, and I'm glad he was talking about it with finances because it makes perfect sense with forgiveness. He said this, God will only give to you what he knows will flow through you. God will only give to you what he knows will flow through you. See, in order to be forgiven, the Bible says it, that we're, in order to be forgiven, we must forgive others. See, God wants to give us forgiveness, but if we're going to be greedy with that forgiveness and not give it to others, he's going to stop the forgiveness. 
It's important that we understand this. We are forgiven, and as we are forgiven, God, we're forgiving others around us. Well, you don't understand what they did to me, or you don't understand how bad it was. And I'm not downplaying, hear my heart. I am not downplaying what someone said to you. I'm not downplaying what someone did to you. I'm not saying it was right. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not whether it was right or wrong. Forgiveness is, God, I'm choosing to let go and forgive because I know that's what you did for me on the cross. Letting go. It favors me. And I love it in Colossians 3.13. It says you make allowance for. Make an allowance. You know, when you have children and you give an allowance to children, it's this thought of you give it to them and it's a, it's a constant thing. So you give them 10 bucks a week. And so every, every Sunday or every Monday, you give them $10. And in, in the middle of Wednesday, you know, and so does that child that reminds you that Sunday's coming and that $10 coming back. It's something that you know is coming. And you continue to make room or space in your budget to give that allowance. It's the same thing with forgiveness. What if we knew forgiveness was coming today? And we made room and space in our hearts to know someone may insult me, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make room and allowance for it so that when it co- way it comes, I'm going to expect it. I'm going to say it's all good and I'm going to let it go. And so I'm not going to let it pierce my heart. Why? Because I know it's coming, so I'm going to make allowance for it. What would it look like? This is how we shine. This is how we walk and live and become the salt and the light of the earth. That we don't just receive forgiveness, but we give forgiveness to others. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 38. It says, you have heard that it is said. This is after a few scriptures, after we just read about being salt and the light. Part of the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it is said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. For if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek. A very famous scripture that people that don't even know God, that are far from God, we we all use this phrase of just turn the other cheek. And that's where it comes from right here. And if anyone, verse 40, wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. How do we really walk out and live and respond to accusations and insults and persecution the way that I believe God desires for us to, to be the light and the salt of the earth? We have to have tough skin and soft heart. We have to be forgiving, not just forgiven. And then also we have to go the extra mile. We have to go the extra mile. You know, our response to people's insults a response to people's abuse or ill treatment. You know, our response to that should have nothing to do about what someone did to us. Our response should be based on what he did for us. That we would remember what Jesus did for us. And so from that, that's where we respond out of. We don't respond out of the hurt of what someone did. We respond out of what he already did for us. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43, it says, You have heard that it is said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Oh, Jesus, help us. And pray for those who persecute you. Oh, Jesus, help us. Lord, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 6 and verse 27, it says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Oh, Jesus, help us. Do good to those who hate you. Oh, Jesus, help us. Bless those who curse you. Oh, Jesus, help us. Pray for those who mistreat you. Oh, Jesus, help us. Jesus says, you've heard it before. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. He says, but I'm telling you, do something different. 
I'm telling you to go the extra mile. Well, how do we do that? How do we go the extra mile? How, how do we really respond in accusations by going the extra mile? And he gives us the thought right here in Luke chapter 6. He says, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Doing good to those who hate you. Then he says, bless those who curse you. This term bless here does not necessarily mean money. It means to speak well of. Here's the question we have to ask ourselves. Are we speaking well of people who insult us? Are we speaking well of people that don't believe the same thing we believe? Are we speaking well of those who abuse us or mistreat us? Because this is what the Bible says. You've heard it tooth for tooth. And so we think, no, insult for insult. Oh, hate for hate. Oh, frustration for frustration. Oh, post for post. Please, God, post for post. You know what I'm saying? Get the popcorn out. We're about to go at it. But Jesus says, not tooth for tooth and eye for an eye, but I want you to do good. Speak well of those who hate you. Then he goes on to one of the craziest thoughts that we could possibly think of. And he says, I want you to pray for those who mistreat you. I want you to pray for those who, who mistreat you. I know this. It's hard to hate somebody you're praying for. It's real difficult to have frustration towards someone you're praying for. And here's the interesting thing about praying for someone. It may or may not ever change them. We pray for those who mistreat us, who abused us, who have, who have hurt us, who have, who have wounded us. And we can pray for them and it may never change them. They may never come up to us and say, hey, I want you to know I'm so sorry for what I did. I mistreated you. I shouldn't have done that. They may never do that. It may never change them. But I know what it will do when we pray for others. It will always change us. It will always change our hearts because this is what God does and this is what he knows, how offense can control us and ruin us and capture us into a place where we're not able to live the way that he wants us to live and the way that we want to live. And so he says, I want you to know, I want you to forgive others. I want you to let go of those things, but then I want you to go the extra mile. I want you to do good. I want you to pray for them and believe in them. You're like, well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know, I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know if that, I, that might be too tough. I don't know what to pray for. In Psalms chapter 20, it's five verses. It's pretty much the greatest chapter of, uh, in the Bible that you can pray over those who have mistreated you. I want to show it to you. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1 says, May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. Praying for our enemies. Praying for those, I'm not even going to say our enemies. Praying for those who insult us. Praying for those who persecute us. Praying for those who are negative towards us. How do we do it? Here's how it starts. May we start to pray and we pray, Lord, may he answer you when you're in trouble. When you're struggling, I'm thinking of that person and when they're struggling, God, would you, would you reach out and would you answer them? Check it out. May the name of God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary. See, oftentimes we want help. We're offended. We want the church to come to us and help us. And oh my gosh, we as a church want to help you. But this goes a step further. He's praised. Listen, may the church go and help you. He says, and grant you support 
from Zion. Zion, a picture and a concept of heaven. May you grant, may you grant support from heaven. May heaven support you in whatever it is you're walking through. Praying this over those who have hurt us, who have offended us, who have persecuted us, who have abused us. May heaven come and support you. Let's keep going in verse 3. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. Burnt offerings, a picture of worship. That as you worship wherever you are in your life and you're thinking of that person, may, as you worship, may God accept your worship and your worship be pleasing to him. Oh, well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said. You don't know how much it hurt. They don't deserve being accepted by God. Yeah, you may think that, but let me tell you something. Neither do we. But because of the grace of God and his love for us, he chose that yet while we were still enemies to die for us because he loves us. And so God, because you love me and you accept me, God, accept him. May he give you the desire of your heart. Oh my goodness. We pray for our, our people that have insulted us or abused us or hurt us. Maybe an ex-boyfriend uh, or girlfriend or ex-husband or ex-wife or maybe a friend or maybe a, 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 a co-worker. Maybe someone you were a business partner with. I don't know what it may be. But we start to pray things like, God, you know what I'm saying? Make, make sure, God, you bless me more than them. God, make sure that you don't take care of all their desires. God, make them single forever. It's an incredible scripture. It says... I'm praying for them. May he give you the desires of your hearts. Then he says, and let all your plans succeed. Oh my goodness, this is a great prayer for me. But God wants us to do it and pray it over others. Verse five, it gets better, don't worry. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory. Y'all know how it is. Y'all be, be, be insta-stalking them. Y'all be Facebook stalking them and you see they're in a new relationship and something inside of you just kind of twists. And oh, I can't believe. You see them smiling at Disney World like, ah, that's not the most magical place on earth. No, it's not. You see them buy a new home and you're like, God, where are you with me? God, uh, uh, why? But I love this because this turns the concept and it's not, okay, I'm frustrated when they have victories. But God, I want to pray that they have victory in all areas of their lives. Then it says, and let us raise a victory banner. If you don't know what that meant, banners in the scripture in the Old Testament would be flags that they would raise when they would win. Almost like, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to celebrate with you when you have a victory. <gasps> well, they got remarried. And I'm not. No, I'm going to celebrate. Why? Because in the end, my prayer for you may not change you, but it's changing me. And it's helping me to be salt and light. And I love it. And it says, may the Lord answer all your prayers. Oh, God, why every prayer? Why not like some prayers? No, I want you to answer all the prayers. How do we really respond to the accusations, the insult, the persecution, the ill treatment that comes in our life that the Bible says we will face? We have to have tough skin and a soft heart. We have to be people that aren't just receiving forgiveness, but we're giving it. We also have to be a people that are willing to go the extra mile. 
that are willing to say, I'm, I, here's what I want to do. I want to be a person that sh- it shines the love of Jesus. I want to be the salt and the light of the earth. I want to do something different today that I've never done before. Praise God, we're going to do it. We're going to read these five verses again, and we're going to pray. You know, if you can't have ministry moments in church, then when in the world are you supposed to have them? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Help me out. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. You agree with me. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do something totally different. The Lord was speaking in my heart this week. I want you to picture the person that's offended you. I want you to picture the person, person that's hurt you. I want, to, I want you to picture the person that's abused you or ill-treated you, whatever that may look like, whoever's hurt you in your past. I want you to picture them in your mind as we pray. And I want you to do this. I'm going to, pray, I'm going to, pray, I'm going to say this prayer out loud, and I want you to repeat it after me. And I want you to see yourself telling that person these very words. I want you to pray this over them today. I don't know if I can do that, Pastor Jordan. Okay, if you can't do it, no worries. We're not going to force you, but I want you to try. Because why? Because prayer may not change them, but it will always change us. And so I believe this, that we come together and we gather together in church, not just to always feel good, but we come together and gather so that we can be encouraged, so that we can be challenged, so that we can be built up and changed, transformed, so that we can continue to be the salt and the light on this planet. And if not here, then where? So this is what we're going to do. If you don't mind, bowing your heads, closing your eyes today, and we're going to pray. I want you to picture that person, take a moment, whoever that person may be in your life, and We're going to go the extra mile today. We're going to pray for them. We're going to bless them. I want you to say this as you picture that person and as you pray over them. Would you say, may the Lord answer you when you are in distress. Come on, everybody in the room. I want to hear you nice and loud. Come on, if I I can't hear you, the devil can't hear you. Come on, somebody. Don't think it, speak it. Okay. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desires of your heart and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and raise a victory banner in the name of God. May the Lord answer all of your prayers. May the Lord answer all of your prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. This is how we go the extra mile. I would encourage you if you're walking through offense, wounds, hurts in your life, that you would remember these five verses, that you would memorize them, that you would write them down, that you would remember at least the reference and where they are, and you would go back constantly and pray this over them. Because I know this, God desires for us not just to know the Beatitudes so that we'll be better people, but he desires for us to walk and live and know the Beatitudes so that we can continue to be the salt and the light to this earth, that everyone would see our good deeds and bring glory to the Father. Amen. Can we pray today?